microphone here and I'll pray and we will uh, uh, worship God with a hearing of the message this morning. A huge pile of stuff up here. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I, I pray that you be with us this morning. Help us to, um, help us to hear from you as, as I share the word this morning. Help, help us to um, stand in your presence and, and draw near to you as I, as I preach. Help me to be faithful to the gospel. Help me to be uh, truthful and, and um, help me to be honest with these folks. And I pray that you would touch their hearts. Help them to, to hear from you and draw into your presence this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. We are uh, working on a series this this month that Jeremy picked, um, and so if you don't like it, you can blame him. Um, and and he will be preaching next week, and so uh, uh, that'll be the perfect opportunity to blame him. Um, the uh, the series we're working on we're we're talking about sanctification, which is this process God puts us all through, where He makes us better, and I. I, coming up with analogies for, for sanctification isn't always easy, and I, I actually, this week, I, on Friday, um, I, I went to the gym uh, in the morning, and I had this, this moment of clarity, because I, I went, and as I was walking home, I, Fridays are like my day off, so I can kind of go and take my time, and I can exercise as long as I want, and I, I kind of enjoy it, and, and as I was coming home, I was thinking about this, this comedian I saw once who said that he went to the gym and he ran into a guy who was big and muscular and healthy, you know, ripped and healthy and everything. He looked at the guy and he really wanted to say to him, hey, you're done. What are you doing here? Like you've accomplished everything you need to accomplish. You don't even need to be at the gym. And I, as I was thinking about it, I realized, well, man, like I'm 40-something now. Um, I'm, I'm not as old as I could be. I'm not as old as Craig, whose birthday is on Tuesday. He's turning 117. I can't see his face, but I'll assume he was approving. Um, <laughs> um, but no, we, we, like I, I'm, I'm in my forties now and I got to do this thing and it's never the case that I'm going to suddenly become this like, you know, muscle guy or anything. I'm doing it so I don't die early. And, and so then that means that like, I'm never done. Like I'm going to go to the gym until I die. Um, it's not a, it's not a, a sprint, right? It's a marathon, but it's a marathon without a destination. So it's basically a death march. Um, <laughs> Like I, I will continue trying to make my heart healthier and I will continue trying to make my, my joints not ache and trying to, like I'm going to continue doing all of these things and trying to improve myself, but like there's no, there's no end game. Does that make sense? Which is sort of the, the negative thing about life. Like we, we you know, if we, if we live for the now, if we live for what we can collect or, or how much fun we can have or what have you, there's no end game. Um, which is the wonderful thing about the good news is that the, the gospel has an end, right? We're, we're bound for eternity. We're bound to stand before God. We're bound to be um, in the presence of, of the Father. We're bound to be judged one day by him, which is a big deal. Um, and, and sanctification is a part of that. It is the process, you know, a little like going to the gym, honestly, where you, you clean up your life, you grow spiritually, you become somebody different, and in that process of becoming somebody different and better, you prepare yourself for eternity. And that's what we're going to be looking at today here in um, Philippians, uh, in, in our series. This is uh, Philippians 2, if you want to follow along. Um, and a little background here. Uh, the sanctification process is what we're talking about. This is just the process where God um, strips sin out of us, turns us into different people. 
Sanctification is not how we get to heaven, right? Like, you don't get to heaven because you suddenly become good enough to get there, right? You will never earn your way to heaven. And if you try to earn your way to heaven, it, it's going to work out exactly the opposite. Do you understand? Like, because if you want God to judge you by your behavior, you are in a whole world of problems. Got it? Like, because God will judge you by all of your behavior, and if you haven't been perfect your whole life, um, you're, 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 you're going to lose out. Um, we're judged by Christ, right? And, and my I, third point here, this justification versus sanctification. Justification is the process by which we're made justified or we're made clean, right? And that only happens, like the scriptures over and over again, this is the gospel, right? Like Jesus Christ died for your sins. He took punishment when God saw him on the cross. He saw your wickedness and he was killed on your behalf. And he was punished on your behalf. And the moment you become his follower, the moment you belong to him, you are justified before God. You are made clean and holy and pure. You're forgiven for every sin you've ever committed, every sin you are committing, and every sin you will ever commit. You are made perfect. And like when you face God, if you die the moment you accept Christ, like you face God, you're forgiven. You die ten years later, you face God and you're forgiven. It doesn't wear out. There's no statute of limitations on that justification. Justification is by faith alone. You have faith in Jesus. He is your Savior. You are saved. Got it? Sanctification is different. Sanctification is the cleaning up because we live in an already but not yet world. You are already made pure and holy and perfect before God, but you're not that way yet. Everybody got it? Um, You live this life in the process. Uh, I would... Um, well, we'll get to that in a second. Um, so Philippians, this is a letter that was written by Paul. Um, Paul is writing on the occasion of conflict that's happening within the church. There are a couple of, of women who are very prominent in the church who are fighting. I know it's shocking that women have fought against each other for years, at least since the Bible. Um, and, and so these women are in conflict and it's creating conflict in the church and people are starting to take sides, and Paul is writing to encourage peace in the congregation. And so that's kind of the background of the letter. Um, He does a little bit of other stuff here, and so we're going to jump into two, and I'm starting a little earlier than I'm actually preaching on, because I love this. The first 11 verses are just awesome. Does that make sense? Do you ever read uh, Well, probably most of you all haven't done this. Um, But like every once in a while, I'll read a passage and think, I'm going to preach on that, and then I'll start reading the chapters around it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so much good stuff here. And so this is me indulging a little bit. Um, So, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Real quick, I, and I kind of want to, I'm not going to get into it too deep. I just, Paul is working through his argument and he says this. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, is there? Probably. Maybe definitely yes, right? This is a rhetorical question. He's asking this. So if there is. And yes, there is. He's asking this rhetorical question to drive home this point. If there's encouragement in Christ, comfort from love, participation in the Spirit, I mean, the Holy Spirit is in us and moving in us and everything else. If we have affection and we have sympathy that are a product of belonging to Jesus, 
Um, all we have to do at that point then is complete Paul's joy. He's talking to these, these people in the congregation. But this applies to all of us um, by being of the same mind. So we stand together. We love each other. We're in full accord. Like we agree with each other when, you know, on the issues that matter. We don't act selfishly. We aren't conceited. We're humble. We count others as more significant to, than ourselves. Like meaning you look at other people around you and your first thought is not, oh, I'm probably better than all these people right? Or I'm more important here than all these other people. Like we don't think that way, right? We don't vie for position trying to get to the top of the heap or being, you know, I look like I'm the most holy in the room and everybody knows it. Or like we, we put all this stuff aside because of who we are in Christ. Like this, this who we are in Christ changes us into one people that are sort of bonded together and belong together and operate together. I would uh, maybe for the last... I don't know, a year, the, uh, the back end of my car has made a really uncomfortable noise. You know what I'm talking about? And I, I tried a bunch of cheap, like, fixes. I, I had the tires rebalanced, and I, I, you know, checked the suspension. And then the other cheap solution, I turned the radio way up. And sometimes I listened to headphones in the car, like, once it got louder. And then finally, like, my wife convinced me being the voice of, of wisdom in our family, like, hey, let's take it to the shop and get it fixed. And as it turns out, the, the back end of the car was starting to fail. The, the, that big round thing in the back, you know the one I'm talking about. <laughs> the differential. The bearings in the differential were failing. Um, I actually, I'm not quite as incompetent as I let on. It, it, it's all for funny, yeah. Uh, <laughs> The differential was failing, and so, like, we had all these parts, these, these bearings that, that were, weren't, like, moving smoothly like they were supposed to. They were starting to stick, and they were starting to crumble, and they were starting to fall apart. And because of that, there was all this noise and vibration in the back end. I took it to the shop, and two arms and a leg later, um, <laughs> it moved smoothly. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's quiet. I remember thinking, oh, I should take my, oh, I'm not even wearing them, and I don't hear it. Um, because it started to move smoothly. And this is kind of what Paul is talking about. Like reach this point where you operate together like a well-oiled machine. Quiet, smooth, powerful, like moving as one. And this is what we're called to do. And what fails that is when we as individuals become all about ourselves and we begin to rub against each other, right? And we're all really good at being selfless already, right? <laughs> I don't know, maybe y'all are better than me. Maybe it's just me, but like I'm good at selfish. Right? Like, if there was a World Series of Selfish, I would be the Astros. Um, nothing out of my wife that time. Uh, oh, you're ignoring me. Um, it, we're moving in that direction as the body of Christ is what we're supposed to be doing. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, excuse me, not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who... Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in the human form, he humbled himself by becoming an obedient uh, to the point of death, even death on the cross. So Paul says, listen, as you work to operate as a well-oiled machine, new in Christ, be like Christ, meaning Jesus who was God did not consider being God something to grab a hold of and grasp and, and take for himself. Instead, he emptied himself for you. 
right? In obedience to the Father, Jesus pours out his divinity, becomes a man, like fully God and fully man. But again, this is, you know, I've said this more than once, but I don't think there's any overstating it. We sang holy, holy, holy this week. Like the reason that the angels around God sing holy, holy, holy is because he is so set apart and different and amazing and holy and like pure that like his holiness consumes things around it. Like he is holy and different to the point that like not even one angel singing it would be enough. It has to be a chorus of angels singing it and they've got to sing it over and over and over again to even get to the beginning of how holy God is, right? Like they have, there's no understating it or there's no overstating it. There is only understating it. That's it. (laughs) Words fail to describe God's holiness. And like this holy God became one of us, was born, learned, learned how to use the potty. This God who, through whom all things were created, like, like had to learn to walk. Like, because God loves you that much that he would pour himself out in obedience to the Father for your salvation, for your justification, for your salvation, for you to be brought to him. And he was obedient to the point of being crucified on your behalf. This is how humble Christ was. And we're supposed to aim at that. Anybody have that nailed down yet? Anyone? I don't see a lot of hands. Is it because everyone's still awake? <laughs> Can't raise your hands if you're asleep, Jim. Uh, <laughs> I love you, Jim. I'm so sorry I shouldn't pick on you. Um, the Christ went all of this way on our behalf, and we're supposed to imitate that. We're, we're called to become that. That is sanctification, is becoming like Jesus. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above all names, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Meaning, like, because Jesus humbled himself, he's exalted. Because Jesus is humble, he becomes this thing that we emulate, this, you know, God that we emulate. Because Jesus was humble, like, he's raised up above all else. Um, anyway, but that's, it's an important thing to understand. The God that we worship is this. Like, is, is this obedient, humble, amazing, like, Jesus that we worship and that we follow. Um, all right, so the verses, the core verses, I know I took a long time to get here. Hopefully I, I can finish before the class starts. Uh, <laughs> Philippians 2, 13, 12 to 13, therefore my beloved. So since Jesus is this God, like since we follow this Jesus, we aim to be like this Jesus. Therefore, my beloved, you, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, this is a huge statement. He says, listen, when I was there, you did this well. Now that I'm gone, do it even better, right? Meaning Paul was there directing them, and when he was there directing them, they did a good job. Now that he stepped away, Step it up a notch, right? I want my kids to behave when I'm present. And when I'm not there, I want them to be even better. Got it? Um, And this is what Paul is saying. Listen, I've discipled you. I've led you in Christ. I've helped you grow. And now work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, here's where this gets tricky. Because you could read that, and if you read it just as a blank statement with no context, you could say, wait a minute. 
does that mean that me being right in Christ involves me doing a bunch of work and that I need to be like shaking in fear as I try to figure out how to be right in Christ? It's not what it means. Because Paul uses words very specifically. He's very technical in his language. And the word salvation here does not mean the same as justification. Right? Remember I mentioned that word? When Paul says justification in the Bible, he means you are made pure and holy and without guilt before God through your justification, which is through Christ's death for us. Salvation is the day when everything is redeemed, right? It is, salvation is almost probably like 90% of the time that Paul uses the word. It's in future context, and it refers to Christ's return and the redemption of all things, right? And so as we work out our salvation, what we're working out is, where we're going to be the day that we face God, right? We have our innocence, we have our purity, but it doesn't stop there. You grow and you mature, right? I, Jess and I have been married for almost 20 years, right? And had I gotten married and said, okay, I've covered that base, I'm done, everything relationship done, no more investment, I checked that box, it's time to do other things, we would probably not be married now, right? Or we wouldn't be happily married. You know, and, and <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad she didn't say anything from back there. Um, <laughs> the, the reality is that once we are married, then the really fun part starts because then you have to start learning to grow and mature and be humble in your relationship, to serve your spouse, to love them like in a way that's even harder when they have morning breath that's even harder when they're in a bad mood, that's even harder when the toilet's overflowing and the basement is flooding and, you know, everything's a disaster and you've got to figure out how to love each other when you're both being horrible? Is that just us? Because <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but it's in those moments that we mature as people, Right? It's in those moments when we experience hardship and difficulty that we grow up. And because we go through those moments, we become different people. We experience hardship and we walk through it together and we learn to love each other different. We learn to mature as, as a couple, right? But the same thing is true of us in our salvation. We work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Fear and trembling, by the way, it's easy to think of that as like, you know, oh, if I, I took my kids trick-or-treating and Titus sees a dark house, and he, like, hides behind my leg and doesn't want to run up there, you know, because he's fearful of, I don't know, I think it's an act personally. But um, it, it's not like that. Fear and trembling means with seriousness. Does that make sense? I remember I was working on my, on my car years ago, and I took out a spark plug, and I was handling a bunch of tiny little nuts and bolts. And I was doing it very carelessly, and suddenly I stopped, and I looked down that hole, and I thought, if I drop one of these things in that hole, like, I'm going to have a really bad month. And then all of a sudden, I took all of these nuts and bolts, and I put them over here. <laughs> and I did all my work as far away from that as I could. I think I even stuffed a rag in the hole, just to be sure. <laughs> and then I, because I wanted to take it very seriously. Because if you don't take it seriously, what happens? You, you mess stuff up, right? Um, there are some conversations I have with people where I slow down, and I think through everything I'm going to say because I want to say the right thing the first time. 
That is fear and trembling. As we approach God, we say, you know what? From this point forward, like from the day I became a Christian, I was, from the day I became Christ's man, like from the day I was adopted as a son of God, I was no longer in danger of hell. I was no longer in danger of judgment. I was forgiven. However, I have lived my life trying to grow closer to God, not always taking it very seriously, right? But the idea is take it seriously because you are going to arrive in heaven the way you are, right? And when you present yourself before God at salvation, like, what are you going to look like? You need to mature and grow and, like, follow Jesus for all your worth because there's going to be a day you're going to face him and you are going to be that man or that woman, like, like before God in eternity. Um, there's a phrase that Jesus said, you know, uh, well done, my good and faithful servant, right? Um, we're going to show up there and we're going to hear it or we ain't, Right? This isn't about, oh, I screwed up, I'm going to hell now. It is, you're going to stand before God, you're going to stand before the creator of the universe, the Jesus that died for your sins, and you're going to say what? Well, Jesus, I was going to follow you, but you have no idea how hard it is, and so I didn't, and, but I'm here, I'm forgiven, right? I guess, you know, I mean, the idea that Paul is talking about here is as a people, like individually and as a group, we've got to work. And we've got to work, work, work in the direction of becoming, like, sanctified, putting away the sinful things. I, uh, I've had a lot of really, like, sinful habits in my life, and I've been blessed to have people who've called me out on it. Even the time that I've been here, like, I'll develop, like, a, like a sinful behavior, and somebody will come and say, Eric, you know what? I think you're wrong about this. I'm like, ah, you're right. I am. I need to work on that. And I'll start praying about it and working on cleaning up my act and being better. Not because I think, oh, one day I'm going to be perfect. In reality, my own sinful nature is going to get in the way. But my striving is to be like Christ. My striving is to be like a reflection of who Jesus is. Um, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work his good pleasure. Uh, Jeremy's going to talk more about this next week. So I'm going to tell you this is like, but Paul is sort of throwing out like, like a disclaimer here. It is God that's doing this work in you. God made you holy before, like God justified you, and God is cleaning you up as you go. Like God is working you through this process. This is God's deal, um, ultimately. And like, like it's important to understand he is the one that does this. And so when I face a bad day and I think, God, what is this about? Sometimes this is just so I'll lean on him, right? Sometimes it's, I mean, there are a lot of reasons we experience hardship or trial or what have you. But a lot of times we grow through it and it helps us draw closer to him um, and it helps us learn faith. But like this is all God working and it's all God working in me and around me and everything else. Um, more on that next week. Do all things, do all things without grumbling or disputing. How's everybody doing with that? <laughs> that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in, a, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain and labor in vain. Now, Paul is playing a funny little trick here. Paul is referencing something that all of the Jewish readers in this community would know immediately. Um, If you go back into the Old Testament, the calling that the people of Israel, like the Jewish people, their calling was to be a light to the Gentiles. Their calling was to point people to God and to show people who God is. That was their job. 
right? And actually, like, you read the prophets, and there's all this talk about, like, sharing the law with the Gentiles and, like, like pointing the Gentiles to God. Like, the whole job of the church, or the, the Jewish faith, like the Jewish people, their, God was to, their job was to witness God to the world. And they just didn't do it. I mean, like, that's kind of was a problem. Like, they didn't do it. Um, they were awful at it, and they were awful at, like, like reflecting who God was. They were awful at, like, like, you know, reflecting the law, reflecting, like, God's values, everything. They just were awful at it. And so um, they were awful at this, but it was something they were called to do. And actually, I'm going to jump into Isaiah. These are parts of, and I definitely need my glasses for this because this is my tiny Bible. Um, there's a couple of lines here that, that sort of talk about this, that talking to Christ and Christ's job in coming to the world and then our job as Christ's people, but our job as a continuation of what the Jewish people were supposed to be. Y'all get this? Like we pick up that mantle and our job is to show God to the world, right? Um, this is Isaiah 42, 6 and 7. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people of light for all the na- excuse me, for the people a light for all the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, um, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. This is uh, uh, called the Great Commission of the Old Testament. It's, it's, hey, Isaiah says, hey, you, my people, go out there and be a light to those who are in the darkness, right? People who don't know me, show me to them. That is your job, Right? How do we do that? Well, we imitate Christ. Like the best witnesses you will ever encounter as to what the gospel is about are people who act like Jesus calls them to act and speak the name of Jesus without, without embarrassment, without shame, right? There's an, a quote from St. Francis that I, I kind of hate, um, but I kind of love it too. Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words, right? The problem is that it's not entirely right it's preach the gospel at all times, and it's necessary to so use words, right? But we have to act like Jesus. We have to show people Jesus. We have to be different. It's not instant. It is a process we grow into, right? Jeremy, one of the things that Jeremy has talked to me about in the times I've known him, he is a guy who has been blessed to find Jesus and then, like, live in the community after he found Jesus. And I think Jeremy's talked to me about people, is just tell me if I'm out in left field here, people who have seen him different and commented on how he's not the same man he was 10 years ago. Is that right? Because Christ has changed him, and people can look at him and say, something's different about you, right? Um, and that is what we're called to be. We're called to be different, and people who watch us should be able to see it because it is a visible, observable difference because Jeremy's now high and mighty and judgmental and you know, standing on a pedestal? No, actually, Jeremy's great at being humble because he knows he's sin- sinful, right? I mean, you, you are. I am too. It's, it's a good thing to know that you're a sinner. Um, but we pursue Christ to become something different. When I started going to church, the reason I started going to church, I went to a picnic, a church picnic, and the people there were amazing. And I just, I wanted to be around them. I didn't know what was so different about them, but I wanted it. And that's why I kept going. Like, and then people told me about Jesus, and I'm like, really? I can not only, like, be assured that I'll belong to God's family, and that I have salvation and everything else, like, but I get to be like you people? And I wanted that so bad I could taste it. Um, and I remember, you know, I, was, I remember 
almost like 25 years ago this week, actually, or last week, I, I prayed, God, I just want to go wherever you send me. I want to be your man. Like, this is what I want. And it was because, like, honestly, it started with the people who were shining lights in the world. I met them, and I said, man, I just want that. I want to be like that. The other passage I have for you is from Isaiah 49. He says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up. Excuse me. It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. He's talking to Jesus at this time. Um, So he says, listen, Jesus, it is too little of a thing for you to just bring the Jewish people back. I will make you a light for the nations that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. Um, What Paul is referencing here is the calling that the Jewish people had that the church has, right? And that calling is to reflect who God is. Do you start that way? No. Do you become that eventually? Yes. You become that through the process of working out your salvation, taking it seriously, looking at the people around you and saying, you know what, what does God want me to do with this? Right? Like encountering people who are awful and asking yourself, how does God want me to behave toward this guy? Meeting somebody who's destitute and you can't get anything from them and saying, how can I serve this person? Meeting unlovable people and saying, how can I love this guy? And Paul comes to the end of it. He says, yes, by being who God calls us to be. Um, So in that, in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Paul is talking to this church and he says, hey, when you get there, I want you to get there in such a way that I can be proud of the work that I put into you people. I want to be proud of you when I get there. You are my work, right? Paul is making a big statement here. He's leveraging his own investment in them. Um, But for him, he's saying, it's important to me that you people become holy, that you become what God called you to be. Even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all. Likewise, you should be glad and rejoice with me. So Paul is talking about his life being poured out, meaning he's dying, And Paul, it's not clear how many years he lived after this, but Paul was kind of constantly on the edge of being executed by someone, right? Like he was sort of constantly on the edge of being arrested or he was tortured or he was sent off to one trial after another. I mean, Paul lived a dangerous life and he would say, I'm pouring my life out as an offering to God. And when he says, my life is being poured out as a drink offering, this is something you would do. You would bring your sacrifice, and sometimes during your sacrifice, you would pour out a drink offering on your sacrifice. And he's saying, listen, you, you people, your faith is a sacrificial offering. You're offering God this, this faith and this obedience and this belonging to him. He's drawing another parallel to the Jewish people, but instead of offering you know, bulls and, and lambs and stuff like that, they're offering their faith and their obedience as they're offering, their fragrant offering to God. And he's saying, listen, work this out. Be this person so you can reflect Jesus to the world, so you can be like Christ in the world. This is the offering you're bringing, Right? My challenge for you and my question is, what offering are you bringing, right? Like, if this is the calling we have in life to bring this offering to God, like, what are you bringing? Like, how, how are you trusting Christ? How are you growing to be like Christ? At w- those moments when you have to make hard decisions and you've got to make decisions about growing in your faith and being obedient in your faith, like, how are you doing that? Are you doing it with fear and trembling? Or are you running as fast away from it as you can so you don't have to think about it? I mean, that's hard, isn't it? Like, 
Are you dealing with your own sin as a, and I know a lot of folks, I've done this, so I'm not even going to, I'll say it, I've done it in the past, where I'll look at my own sins and I'll start looking around for other people who are worse than me. Anybody do that? Well, I know I'm a sinner, but you know, my wife, and in reality, my wife has already earned sainthood by putting up with me for this long. Um, but, but, you know, it's easy to do that and say, well, I, I'm kind of wicked, but you know what, that guy... You know, are you dealing with your own stuff? Are you dealing with your own shortfalls, your own doubts, your own stumbling areas, your own awful habits, your own sinful like like indulgences, your own like wicked thoughts? Because I got plenty of them. Like I I know I got to deal with that stuff. Um, or are you brushing it aside? Are you growing in holiness so that you can be a reflection of Jesus to the world, and that your life can be an offering to God? Or are you fleeing that? Like this is what we're called to do as people is to is to pour ourselves out, right? is to obey and reflect, is to grow constantly. Um, it's not even a death march. I joked about that with the gym, right? But it's not a death march because it's a life march, right? Like the more you do it, the more alive you are in Christ. The more you do it, the more you are closer, like closer, more intimate with the source of life that, that like we've been given. You know, the more you know Jesus, the better your life will become. Um, are you doing it? Reading, praying, serving, giving, sacrificing, dying to yourself every day. I'm going to close in prayer and I'll, I'll let you all be. And there's a whole, what? Oh, nope. One of the reminders that God provides us, my wife said, how do we do this so that you don't forget about communion every time? <laughs> you wave in the back until I remember. Um, I, I'm growing in holiness, all right? Um, one of the ways that, that God provides for us um, the reminder he gives us of what we're to become um, is through like like communion on the on the night that Jesus was betrayed. I'm going to call my guys forward who are serving communion today. Um, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he's at the Last Supper. He's going to go to the cross. Um, he's about to be betrayed and rejected, and he takes his bread. He takes his bread and he gives it to his disciples. Oh, that would be the wrong one. We discussed this earlier, too. I still got it wrong. He takes his bread. He's at the dinner. He takes his bread, and he breaks it, and he gives it to his disciples, and he says, take this and eat it. This is my body broken for you. And as we gather together and we remember him, we remember the sacrifice for us, we remember our calling in this world, um, and we take the bread and we eat it, we remember that Christ died for us to change us inside and out. And as we take the bread, we remember that Christ is in us. Like we take him inside us and it changes us. Like that forgiveness, that new life, that everything. Like we become new people through it. And so as you take the bread, um, eat it when you feel called. If you're a believer in Christ, you're welcome to take 